Hi, everybody, and welcome to the NDSC podcast, a place where management faculty and PhD students share about their journeys and stories in academia. My next guest is Leo Pongelupe, assistant professor at Wharton School of Management. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the NDSC podcast. I'm here with our next guest, uh, Leo. Uh, I'm going to maybe uh, <laughs> kill your last name. I'm, th I'm hoping I can do it right. Uh, Pongelupe. Uh, oh, that, that's very good. Yeah, that's, that's that, that was a good try. I'm hoping yeah. the, the Spanish maybe helped a little bit. My, my Mexican <laughs> Spanish hopefully helped. Uh, Leo is a, a, an assistant professor at Wharton, and, and he, he graduated... I'm gonna say a year ago, right? So he's kind of, so I, I I invited him because I think uh, he can bring a very nice perspective of kind of like that transition, the job market. I think he still pretty clearly remembers what being a PhD student is, and I think that's gonna be <laughs> super valuable. So thank you very much, Leo, for being here with me and for uh, agreeing to this interview. Thank you so much, Jose. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation. So what I like to do first, Leo, is um, I start with kind of like an icebreaker and a, like just asking you to share something that has nothing to do with academia, research, a university, a business school, right? What What's something that you like, maybe a hobby, a passion, something that you do kind of like in your free time, I'm going to say, outside of this uh, academic context? Yeah, so I think I will answer showing like uh, one of my class materials. So I guess everybody can see the Ronaldinho shirt. So I'm a big soccer fan, football for the ones that are not from the US. For the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, for the rest of the world, basically. So I'm, I am I love watching, playing, and uh, actually like uh, I play whenever I have some free time, I do play. And actually, I'm not lying. This is part of a class material because one of my classes, I, I discussed the European Super League and how they try to replicate the American model of NBA and NFL in the European football and all the backs and forth. So I, I wear this shirt when this class happens. So I think football is one of the biggest things that I do. I love cooking. I love dancing. I think that's kind of like, I would say... Usually Latin Americans, right? Like would <laughs> would answer that. Um, cinema and and also like since we're gonna talk a little bit about job market and this kind of thing, this was something that I found very useful to have this information both on my CV and on my web page because I noticed that it was also a great way to have like conversations above and beyond what what uh what research you are doing and as elsewhere. So I really recommend people to. Think about what their hobbies are, and also you know share. It's a it's, as you as you did. It's a great icebreaker. Yeah, and and so then I, I'm gonna assume you're a big Barca fan too for the shirt and the colors that I yeah, see. That, that's yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, do you have a a favorite player, maybe or not? Uh Ronaldinho. Yeah, I Ronaldinho. Think I, 
from all the players that I that I watched, uh, I like him the most in terms of technique, but also you see Ronaldinho, you already won a lap, you know, like yeah, you know, yeah. such a charismatic figure. So yeah, awesome. Thanks for sharing, Leo. Uh, okay, so now kind of going into the formal part of the interview, although we try to keep it very, very chill, right? Uh, can you share with us what brought you to this career? And maybe you can share a little bit of your background of what, what were you doing before kind of coming into PhD? But then how was that process of, yes, I actually want to become a, well, get my PhD and become a professor, right? And, and maybe also the process of selecting where to go for your program. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting because, I mean, nobody in my family uh, are academics. Actually, my mother is the only person in my family that has a undergrad degree. So so it was like I was I entered like in the areas of uh, economics, management and international relations. I liked and I started doing some RA with uh, some profs uh, back in Brazil and they were doing like a kind of a lab experiment actually with some you know production line using lego toys as a way to to measure like how people negotiate i started working as an ra for in that project and they eventually made me co-author uh and i started like having a taste for research i then end up going a little bit for consulting i worked uh, i worked in consulting for like about three years in projects Uh, with Accenture Institute for High Performance. And then I noticed like, oh, I really want to dig deeper on like the theories, the methods and so on. And then the idea of doing a PhD uh, got into my mind. With time, I felt like, oh, am I going to do here in Brazil or abroad? Then I went to a couple of conferences and felt like, oh, maybe abroad would be a good idea. And that's when I applied. Uh, it's interesting because this project that I, they, they invited me to be co-author took 15 years to actually get published. I started working on it as an RA in undergrad. It got published on my uh, on, on the year uh, one year before I graduate. So that was the proof that actually I should have gone to academia, you know. But uh, but at the end of the day, you know, like I just got passionate about the idea of doing research on topics that you love and care, and uh, and that's what I try to do. You know, that's what brought me to this career. And um, yeah, uh, that's what I'm doing so far. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good story. 15 years. Wow. Um, I think we got a... rejected from all the possible journals that you can imagine. Eventually, it made through. And it, it, it a... found a place. It found a home. It found a place. Yeah. So yeah. every paper finds its home, you know. Yes, so. <laughs> exactly. So and, and following a little bit of this line, uh, for you, what's kind of like the, the best thing about this career, about being a professor and academic? What's kind of like the most fulfilling uh, thing about this job? Yeah, I mean, I think there are like a couple of things that I would like to mention. So I do research on sustainability, right? So I remember when I entered the PhD, even some colleagues said like, who recruited this guy? You know, we don't do this kind of stuff. You know, we do more like venture capital, private equity or high tech entrepreneurship. And I said, like, wow, this is what I care, and that's what I I will pursue. I had a lot of support from my PhD supervisor, Professor Anita Magherin, to keep pushing it forward. And, and I think this is one of the things that I value the most in academia is your freedom of thought, right? So whatever topics you care about, whatever you're passionate about, you can make the case and you can uh, do research about it. There are, like, uh, opportunities for you to develop Uh, on the areas that you really care. So 
called Freedom of Photos the First. I think the second one is like, is not there's not much routine, right? So we are always working on different projects. There are some always something new coming about. So it's not that you're gonna do always the very same thing every day. Uh, and the third that especially now I'm I'm noticing and is a really really a pleasure is the interaction with students. You know, so uh, teaching can be very challenging, is very intensive in terms of time and even emotionally, but the interaction of with students, the exchange of ideas can be really pleasant as well. So I think this this type of things are to me the the biggest motivations to 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 work in academia and also to recommend academia as a great career path to others. Nice, that's a that's a great answer. So now on the other side, right, of the coin, what would you say are kind of the most challenging things of, of this career or of this job? Yeah, I think, well, rejections for sure, you know, is one of the challenging things. But I would say not only rejections because of getting re the paper rejected to, in a process, but more because it's very easily for you to start questioning your decisions or questioning the topics that you are working with uh, or, you know, questioning your capabilities of doing uh, high-quality research. Uh, and especially nowadays, we discuss a lot about mental health. Uh, and I think sometimes in academia, if you don't pay attention, there is a risk, right? Because you can, you can, it can be very lonely at the same time, the process. Uh, sometimes people feel uncomfortable sh about sharing the, the failures in the process. And the thing is like, you know, that's why I opened the conversation with the 15-year project that took 15 years to get published. And we we got rejected in several journals because because it's part of the process, you know, you just over time learn to deal with it and learn that like okay, a rejection doesn't mean that much, you know. You can just always go to another journal or you can always refine your ideas or do something else if you want uh, with the paper. I always compare this. I lived part of my life in the Amazon region and my uncles and cousins. Many of them work in agriculture. So whenever I fail or I get rejected in my journals or with my papers, okay, I don't get a publication there. I can submit somewhere else. Whenever they fail, they lost the whole year of work because they don't harvest, mm -hmm. right? So, so sometimes I think it's important for us to wait in the challenges of academia because we are all very privileged to be working, you know, uh, in in our offices and like computers we are not getting the sun we don't have to carry much lift literally so you know uh, just make sure to be on with mental with a right mindset and you're gonna be you're gonna do great and the challenges are not that big i love that kind of like analogy or kind of like comparison you made i think that was a great perspective right if we fail right our failures i mean yes i mean it's a lot of hard work going to that but I mean, it's not the end of the world, right? Maybe in other careers or in other lines of work, eh, it could be way more devastating. So that's that's a nice perspective to kind of like keeps keeps you real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it is, and it's not that our work matters less. It's not my point. It's just that yeah. like you know, we have to uh, understand that uh, okay, a rejection is tough, but next day you can keep working on the project and it will make true. You know, so just. Just keep in mind, I think this helps with like having a positive mindset towards things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And 
what's what's the best advice you've received? And maybe this can be kind of like on your life, right? General advice, or maybe specific more in, in kind of like for this career, right? For academia. So I think the best advice that I received, honestly, was from a prof of mine in Brazil uh, when I got accepted to the PhD program in Toronto. And and I was kind of scared, you know, because I have not lived uh, in North America before, you know, and my international experience was very limited. Uh, I My English, if you think my English is now is not good, imagine back seven years ago. So it was like, you know, limited to some extent. I knew that the program was very intense and competitive. And I felt like, oh, you know, I don't know how it will going to be. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, if I will attend the expectations. And this prof, Paulo Furquin, actually is his name. He said, like, go there and 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 play your football. Or, like, do, do the work as you know, you know, just be yourself kind of uh and and of course there will be challenging times but if you are like if you're doing your best if you're playing your football you know you're gonna make it you know just like a matter of uh hard work dedication and also and also learning from the mistakes so but but if you but by being yourself i think this is the best thing that you can do because then then you bring your uniqueness, your point of view of things, your history, uh, and that makes a lot of difference uh, when you deliver your research because it connects with yourself more deeply, I think. you know, And that's what I try to do. That's why my research is about urban slums because I lived in the peripheries of Sao Paulo. That's why my research is about the Amazon rainforest because I lived there, I saw the process. It's kind of like connects with you more in a, in a deeper level. I think it makes a lot of difference. Yeah, that's that's great. That's... That's awesome. I really like that. Um, so, and similar to that question is maybe, is there a resource that you have benefited from in, in this journey that you might think might be beneficial for other PhD students, some, a, a resource that you might recommend or that you think is helpful, especially for, for PhD students along their journey? Yeah, I think, for instance, the service that you're providing with the podcast, you know, providing information, perspectives from, from different peoples in the field. This is this is wonderful. I think I learned a, a lot from my PhD uh, cohort mates. I think they were the best, actually, resource that I could have because whenever I was having a question about my empirical models or the econometric, I was reaching a friend that is really an expert on that. Whenever I had, like, some questions about theory, another friend, and of course, your supervisors, your committee members, they can be a very valuable resource. I mean, I'm very, as I said, I'm very grateful to my mentor, Anita, and all the, and all my committee members. But I think sometimes, you know, your group, your immediate group of friends, your your cohort mates, or your peers in the PhD, or even in other institutions, but you have a contact during conference, they can be an extremely valuable resource, both to refine your research and refine your work. And also give you more information about what's going on, conferences, call for papers, special issues, and so on and so forth. So really leverage on your network. I think this can be the best resource. Yeah, I love that advice. I mean, and this is kind of like a little bit of self-advertising, right? But that's exactly why I started this, because I came into the program in the pandemic, right? So that opportunity to interact with, especially with other peers, right? Because I had interactions for my seminars with my professors. But then that kind of like a more informal interaction with your peers, 
I mean, I didn't have that well, for almost two years, right? And, and I think there's a lot of that informal knowledge and kind of like day-to-day uh, information that you that is very useful for your kind of like journey that it was very limited for me, I guess. And, and, I, and I, it was hard to find, right? Mm-hmm. I, I always compare, I came right after my MBA. So there was tons of information uh, out there of business schools and all that stuff but very limited information on, on PhD programs in management, right? So I was like, uh, yeah, there's need to be more out there because there's a lot of unknowns, right? So I, I love exactly. that you give that advice. <laughs> no, and that's why I really appreciate what you are doing over the podcast because I wish I had a resource like this back in time. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I believe there are two ways that you can learn about things, either from your own pain or from the pain of others. And a podcast like this helps transfer, like, you know, don't don't make the same mistakes that I made or, or others, you know, and like you can learn, you can learn things by the experience of others. So I think this is a great service that you are doing to the community. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Leo. Okay, to, to wrap this up, and, and maybe this is a little bit of a longer answer, right? But um, one of the, the big reasons that I wanted to also have you here uh, as a guest is, sharing your, your experience, right? In the job market and uh, the process for you. And I know everyone is gonna be different, right? Everything is different, but maybe what are some generalities that you can also provide us as advice, right? Uh, I remember when we talked at the conference where we met um, and it's it's happening exact same way right now, right? It, I always kind of like get recharged from your positive vibe level. <laughs> I always, you're very positive, you're optimistic and uh, you have a, I think a, a very nice perspective on on work, on life, and I and I really appreciate that. So maybe share a little bit of your own experience, and then from that particular experience, what can kind of be generalized or might help uh, other students that uh, will soon be in the job market. Yeah, no, thank you, and I say the same. You know, like you you also have this positive vibe, and this is this is really really it, it makes a difference. I think maybe this is I will start by that. You know. Uh, during the job market, but not only the job market, this this energy that you bring really can speak up, you know. So, but but this is also sometimes an innate uh, tra- trait of the personality of people. But that said, I think some of some of the experience that I think it would be important. First of all, of course, you everybody knows you have to do your job, you have to prepare well your package, your papers, your applications, and blah blah blah. These are like the the requirements, right? But I think there are some things that uh, that I I really think helped. One, it was going back to our initial uh, conversation. Put a little bit about yourself, about your personal tastes, hobbies, or things that uh, you know you like. So in my CV and my webpage, I have like, oh, I love soccer, or football. I love cin- cinema. I actually have a movie list that I feed in Twitter. So if whatever day you are there looking for some good movie recommendations. I have like those lists that might be useful as well. Uh, I love cooking. I love music. So, you know, put a little bit about yourself because sometimes, you know, people, they are looking for to have a great researcher, of course, in the university, but they are also interested in knowing how you are, you know, uh, above and beyond your research, you know, and they are looking for future colleagues that will share, uh, that will share the department, that will share meetings with them for a long time. So I think, and put a little bit about your personal taste can can help can help a lot actually um, during the job market and afterwards. I think the second thing is uh, there are some common resources that uh, we PhD students use. So there is like 
this common spreadsheet that people feed with information about our the job postings and so on and so forth. That was very useful to know about uh, information on which schools are hiring and where and when and so on. But also sometimes those commerce can be very toxic. So just okay. be mindful of using them wisely and not entering a mindset that, uh, you know, oh, you know, everything is bad and stuff. So be attentive to that. I think third also is connecting with this point is, uh, it's very easily sometimes uh, we're going to start doubting about ourselves or even like comparing. Uh, don't don't fall that trap, you know. All that you need in the job to have a success, successful job market is to do your job, go there and present the wonderful things that you've been doing throughout five or six years. You have like, you're going to have the attention of people to do that. Deliver your best. And you're gonna succeed, you know, because at the end of the day, we all we all have a place. Uh, one thing that I always thought when I was in the going to the job market was that, okay, if things work for me to have an academic position, I'm very grateful because I love research and I really want to uh, be a prof. But if things don't work, you know, like I go back to consulting. In the last case scenario, I go back to live there with my uncles and work in the farm, you know, and that's all right, you know, like we are all on the plus. So don't put yourself into corners or traps to think, oh, I, if I don't get this job, everything is ruined. Or if I don't get this specific position, uh, I will not be happy. No, go there, do your best, and you're going to have a wonderful, you're going to have a wonderful job. You're going to have uh, a wonderful career and uh, and things will be, will be all right. It just depends on you to have this, as we were saying a positive mindset towards it. I think this can make a lot of difference. That's why I try. It's not easy, but that's why I also try to keep always with this vibe, let's say. I think being Latin America helps a bit, right? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Love it. I think this is a great way to end, uh, ending in this kind of like idea of, of a positive mindset, right? I think it really, really changes everything we do. So, Leo, thank you very much. Thanks for your time. Uh, I really enjoy uh, chatting with you today and I look forward to to connecting in at AOM in Boston in a couple Sounds of months. Good. Yeah, thank you so much, Jose. Thank you, thank you for everybody listening and uh, I'm looking forward to meet you all very soon. <laughs>